welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus and I'm your host. And joining me on the show today, we have YA author of The Ash House and the brand new Once Upon a Fever. It's Ankarad Walker. Welcome to the show. Hi, Marcus. Thanks for inviting me on. It's lovely to see you again. This is one of the rare times I actually get to actually speak to an author, having actually spoken to them in real life beforehand, having met at Yauk earlier this year. I know, one of my first in-person events, because I'm a lockdown author. The Ash House came out in 2021, so, so exciting to see people in 3D. Couldn't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) With their lives outside of the little square boxes on our computers. Yeah, it's great. But obviously, getting to know you a bit better from our chat at Yauk, and obviously letting the lovely listeners get to know you a bit more. Do you want to tell us a a brief sort of story of how you got to become an author? Maybe some of the highlights you've had along the way from where you started to where you are now? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm only really good at one thing. So the only thing I ever wanted to be was an author. I think I I loved writing stories for as long as I can remember. I think I was about 10 when an author came to my school and said, um, was telling us what a great job it was. And she said, the best thing about being an author is you get to sit in your pajamas all day and drink hot chocolate and go to the cinema. And I was like, sold. I want that job. (laughs) Um, And yeah I've been quite one track minded since then um I did English lit and creative writing at University of Warwick which I adored um I've been writing short stories and, and novels um really since then and then I was lucky enough that my book The Ash House got picked up by Chicken House um just before the pandemic that was in 2019 so we had a slight delay and it came out in 2021 last year and yeah like you said my second book Once Upon a Fever has been hot on its heels so haven't looked back so far. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a lot about Once Upon a Fever today, because that's the book I've had a chance to read and really digest. But obviously that first book, Ash House, how long was that process to really sort of get it? Like how long did it sort of like you mentioned going to uni and doing uh, mm-hmm. English and creative writing was, you know, the Ash House. I know it was part of uh, degrees sometimes in when you have creative writing. Often there's a section of an actual dissertation, including uh, a novel or part of a novel. So was Ash House sort of did it what I'm saying is it directly involved from that the uni days you know what it actually did and it's one of my few projects that that did come out of that time I was yeah I was about 20 when I had the idea for it staring out a window in a lecture um it wasn't a very well formed idea at all it was just an image of this house made entirely of ash and smoke and I knew some children lived there but I didn't know who they were or why and I wrote something I mean it bears I would go so far as to say there's almost no resemblance to the finished book at all, a sort of kind of verse, poem, short story fusion thing, um, where the Ash House is a completely different, I don't want to give too much away, but a very different place to what it ends up being in the book, um, as a, as one of my longer pieces, pieces of writing that I had to do for my course. And then it just went into a draw, and I really left it for a couple of years. I wrote another book that didn't find a publisher. And when that one, when that when it became clear that that other book wasn't going to find a home, I revisited Ash House and I, and I just I knew I knew I wanted it to be a book for children. Um, so I knew I really had to set aside all the work I'd done on it so far because it had actually been very literary leaning and, and a story for adults before then and start again. But with this setting that I was really excited to write about. 
Interesting, because obviously that's obviously some people know very much they want to become a children's writer. It sounds like there you had a bit of a transition, a bit of a journey from that sort of the the initial phase. Was it like were you reading a lot more, maybe some children's uh, literature, or was it just a case of like I feel like this book has a more sort of a, a sort of middle grade sort of you know younger sort of audience target? Yeah, I, I didn't really set out to be a children's author exactly. I think, and even now, I think my approach to all any project that sort of pops into my head is to very much lean into what I think that idea is best suited for. Because I write short stories for adults too, which are more literary leaning. And, you know, so sometimes an idea just appears and I know that's the bucket it's going to fit in better. But with Ash House, I definitely saw an opportunity where I thought, you know, because I always knew I wanted young protagonists. I love writing about children. I think childhood is so interesting and I love writing young protagonists. I think the decisions we make as young people are often kind of downvalued by adults, but they're, they're so formative. And I think it's, yeah, just one of the most interesting times in human development. So, so love write, writing about young people. And yeah, it was this sort of weird, wonderful, fantastical world. And I, while I didn't specifically set out to become a children's author, I have always in my heart parts wanted to recreate something similar to the books that I loved as a young person. I loved Philip Pullman's work. I loved William Nicholson's work. I loved Mallory Blackman's work. Um, I was born in the early 90s, so I, I kind of got to grow up in that real kind of golden time of children's literature with Harry Potter and Alex Ryder and, you know, all these big phenomenon that uh, kind, of, kind of really hit the shelves at that time. I, I feel really lucky to have grown up in that time. So I think there was a part of that that did also kind of nudge me towards children's in that sense. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned their fantastical worlds, and I'm going to use that to segue into the world of Once Upon a Fever. Now, it has a lot of interesting ideas and premises that we're going to dive into. But I wonder, Angarad, if you could just tell us a little bit about what the story is so our lovely listeners can sort of really get a concept in their mind. Sure. So it's like you said, it's a very fantastical world. I think the best way I found of explaining this fantastical world to people is to first just get them to pay attention to our world, the world we live in. And that is a world where the way we feel can affect our bodies. So where I explained children in our minds, I mean, if we feel very embarrassed, we might blush. If we feel really nervous, our stomach might do some sort of horrible figure of eight movement. I don't know, that's just me. Um, And the world of Once Upon a Fever isn't so different to that, only in that world, it's much more extreme. So if you were to feel very angry, you can breathe fire. If you were to become very frightened, you might literally become frozen, encased in ice due to your fear. If you get lonely enough, you might turn invisible. So it's this alternate London with these fantastical illnesses that are linked to feelings. And that's the world that we find our heroines, Annie and Peyton in. That was because, I mean, if that hasn't got our, our listeners excited, that's really what got me. And reading the first sort of chapters, uh, it takes a lot of it. It takes place in a couple of hospitals. You've got St. Jude's and Queen Cleo's. That's right. Like, yeah, King Jude's and Queen Cleo's. And these ones really, they sort of like the hospitals themselves, these um, these ailments that are, are linked to feelings is, is so strong. And there's uh, the new sickness, which is now putting people to sleep, in particular Peyton and Annie's mother, which who has fallen into mm. this deep, almost it's almost got that sort of um, Sleeping Beauty vibe of like the endless sleep, right? Yes, that uh, was a very specific inspiration. And, and it's, it's a disease called water fever in the book that's caused by grief. And the way you treat or look after people with water fever, they have to be encased in, in water. Um, so she's in this sort of glass watery tomb. Yeah, it's quite Sleeping Beauty-esque. Yeah, it's some good vibes that. But I really loved the two protagonists, because they're very two different, uh, so they're sisters, we should mention, that you've got Peyton and yeah. Annie as sisters, but two very different sisters. Um, Peyton is a lot more of 
she's very methodical she's looking for the remedy is it mephics yep mm, that's what uh, we call the doctors of this world the mephics yeah. mm. uh, and she's very much uh she wants to follow in the footsteps of uh, head me- uh, mephic blake who mm-hmm. uh, is just this really sort of she's seen especially at the beginning she's seen as very badass you know she's um trying to find a cure uh, she's sort of like in control and she's very knowledgeable very sort of everything Peyton wants to be whereas Annie believes she can find the the remedy for it outside the the walls and she's a bit more she's a rebellious sister she's the sort of yeah. more adventurous one she's the one who finds some secret tunnels uh within St Jude's tell me about developing these very two different characters like where did the inspirations come from and did they start off with maybe one character and diverged the great question they really came from the ash house because the ash house is very boy heavy but the, the lead character the boys so straight away I knew I wanted to write girls um that appealed to me I do really enjoy a dual perspective novel again if anyone who's read the ash house will sort of recognize that again so that was really where the first seed of the idea came from I knew I knew we were, I was writing girls and I knew they were sisters and to write a dual perspective novel I think it's always great when you really get that yin and yang and you really have that conflict within the central relationship and I think yeah the idea of sisterhood you can have that conflict mixed in with so much love and loyalty and history. I was just really excited to write uh, that that relationship. Annie came into the picture quite quickly. I knew she was very headstrong and very rebellious, like you said. She is the character who most people come up to me and say, she's my favourite character. I love yeah. her. Oh my goodness, rooting for her the whole time. And then Peyton is the much more, she's very sensible. She's quite academic, um, up to a point. She's quite a rule follower, though she does have her limits. She's very ambitious. I think on the surface of it, Peyton can be a slightly harder character to like, but she's probably my personal favourite character to like. Um, yeah, I, I, I find her, her arc a lot of fun. I found it really, for me, tiptoe, like... I feel like I was very much team Annie at the start of the novel, but I think because Annie has a lot of agency in the beginning, but then when Peyton, especially when we get to the blood library and the feelings library, um, for anyone who's read it so far and the whole, the blood reading stuff, that Mm. for me was just very much just like, okay, Peyton's got her, she's got her quirks and there's there's a lot more to develop here. Um, And another layer to the sort of fantasy where you're sort of delving into sort of almost a sort of, Uh, a mythical medical sort of um, vibe going on here I wonder when you're obviously talking about feelings having these magical properties and these illnesses to it it does get me sort of thinking of was this sort of written in the pandemic uh, and was sort of like the idea of like illnesses being at the forefront of our mind and almost changing them so that they're not just this connotation of being bad but there's a, a way that we can make illnesses a little bit more not good, that's not the right word I want for it, but at least some something unassociated with just being completely bad. Yeah, instead of moralizing illnesses. It's so I got the idea for the book and I just I had just started writing it when COVID hit. Um I was a couple of chapters in and actually I did have a phone call with my editor, the wonderful Rachel Elijah at Chicken House, being like, do, do I abandon this? Like, is this too on the nose? Like, is this is this okay? Luckily she said, No, keep going. I I, I think you're onto something here. So the pandemic probably did shape it in its own ways, but I would say more so than the pandemic, you know, COVID specifically shaped it, I would say far more the mental health epidemic that we're all experiencing and have been for many years now. 
um, that was a much more shaping influence for, for this book, um, connecting. I've always been very interested in things like psychosomatic illnesses. I've been very interested in the relationship between our minds and bodies and how our minds can affect our bodies and our physical symptoms. That's just something I've always I've always found fascinating. Um, before I was writing novels full time, I was a communications consultant and a lot of my work did focus on the healthcare sector. So I was always kind of reading uh, kind of medical uh, journals and, and patient information work and, and things like that. Um, yeah, and, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Marcus, this idea that illnesses can be good or bad and therefore, and particularly when you move that then to the mental health area, can our feelings ever be good and bad? And really, I think the whole book for me is an exploration of a question that I still don't really have an answer to, but I've always found very interesting, which is when do normal feelings that we all experience, we all experience sadness, we always experience grief, we all experience anger, we all experience fear and anxiety, but when do those tip over into an illness and a disorder? It's, yeah, it's a question that fascinates me and, and I don't really have an answer to it other than, I guess, once upon a fever is my answer to it, but that's not really a black and white answer. It's more just a, an adventure on, on that theme. Well, what an adventure it was. Once Upon a Fever is out now for any lovely listeners who are like, this sounds right up your sort of alley, your cup of tea, whatever it is. It's out now, as you say, from Chicken House. And uh, it's really something I feel like it's it's got a lot to it. I'm not going to give away the ending because the ending was probably the final six, seven chapters will blow you away once you get into it. And it really does need a good cracking read. So um, yeah, that's all I can say about that. It was absolutely fantastic and has me excited for this next question to wonder if you're working on anything new. I am working on something new. I'm hesitating because how much can I tell you about my new something, something? I will just say, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a new book, a new children's book. If you like Once Upon a Fever, I would say follow my publisher's Chicken House on social media. I'm sorry, everyone, I'm not on social media, um, so you won't hear it from me. But if you follow them on social media and you might learn more very, very soon, I hope. Oh, there you go. That's, that's all the teas we're going to get, I fear. Um, yeah, I'm very tight-lipped. I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's uh, You've been more than uh, tight-lipped here. It's been absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Um, but we are going to have to start thinking about wrapping up because we're getting towards the end of today's interview. But, Angarad, I don't want to let you go. Obviously, uh, you're not on social media, but is there anywhere else that our lovely listeners can go to find out more about you and your books, like a website or anywhere else? I do have a website, yeah, if you want to read a bit more about Once Upon a Fever and The Ash House, we go to angheradwalker.com. And then otherwise, yeah, I would say follow my publishers, they're Chicken House Books, and you can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and on TikTok. Um, so any new releases, any publication news, you'll hear it from them. Fantastic. So there you go, lovely listeners. Once Upon a Fever is out now at all good bookshops, your friendly local bookshop, Waterstones, and online. So go check it out for an absolutely magical adventure. Um, and one that I feel like is going to really ask a couple of questions so uh there you go but that is all the time we have for so Angarad, all i can say is a big thank you for coming on the show today oh marcus thanks so much for having me it's been really fun absolutely and to you lovely listeners we hope you've enjoyed it don't forget you can head over to our website bigkidsbookclub.com they can find additional reviews previews and over 150 episodes of the podcast so if you're only just finding us you've got plenty to catch up on but that is all the time we have so until next time all i can say is for you to take care to stay safe, but most importantly, to keep on 